Good morning. Okay, you guys are probably wondering who I am. Yes. Some of you have already had me in Sunday school. Wait a minute, let me make sure I'm following my notes. Uh, but when Daniel asked me to do this, well, first of all, before I get started, I wrote this down. Because during the Advent season, we light the candles that represent the different parts of Advent. We've had joy, um, hope, faith, and today's love. Whew, wow. I wrote this down because I want to make sure I said it incorrectly. But during Advent, we have the candles lit to give us a visual reminder of who Jesus is. In fact, it's how we should be reminded about Himself, Jesus Christ, because we know this is the season for that. And so we've had sermons about joy, hope, and faith, and I've mentioned that love is next. I wrote this down. By the way, when Pastor Daniel asked me to do this a few weeks ago, long before he went on his trip, I've given him the deer in the headlight look, which I think I did. But I agreed to the subject, and I'm thinking, what did I get myself into? And then I said to myself, I am not a professional on love, okay? Thank goodness, I'm going to have the Word speak for that. But also sticking with tradition, since Daniel's been here for a year or so, how many points does he have to his sermon? Three. Austin, how many points did you have to your sermon? Daniel, who had got a sick family, and we were, I was, we were ragging each other about this earlier in the week. Daniel McClure had three points. So, I am going to have three points, okay? I'm sticking with tradition. That's right. And also for those that cannot see in the back of the room, does anybody know what this is? This is a rabbit. I've been given the authority by the pastor, Daniel, of this church and Gloria Fulbright and her. Sit next to me. I promise you I won't chase any rabbits. Maybe. <laughs> I, I said maybe. Yeah, exactly. All right, now I got your attention. Um, you know, during the Christmas season, I have some, once I get started into this, but during the Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, Jesme asked me earlier, being the song person he is, what are you going to speak on? And if you kind of took a hint on the songs this morning, and then, of course, it's in your bulletin too, but I'm going to be talking about love. But it's going to be a different perspective about love. And um, let's see. Can you bring the first slide up, please? Hopefully I have that up there. I want this reminded again. It says, whoops, back up. That's okay. She and I are good at this, so just, you know. But it says, because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. You know, and I love this verse. I like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 also. And the thing is, when you think about this, when you think about the subject of love, yeah, it's talked about, it's preached about, right? It's in your Sunday school books, and it's in your Bible, and it's all these different aspects of it. But think about that, the word love itself. But this morning, as you guys know, and I'm probably jumping a gun on my outline, but we're, we're going to be going into the, the, the love of Christ and the love He has for us. Um, there's three different, trend, three different words of love, you, and I probably mispronounce them, but that's okay. I think it's called phileo, phileos, P-H-I-L-O-S. This is the love we have for each other's friends. 
similar to the love of Jonathan had for his friend David, and soon to be king of Israel. 1 Samuel 18 speaks about this. And Jonathan and David made a covenant together because Jonathan loved David so much as himself. This is the same love that Jesus has when he calls us to be toward one another, love toward one another. You guys are used to these words. Uh, what's it called? Eros? Eros? Close enough. This is the physical love that we share through the marriage of one man and one woman. And that's part of the bond. And not only that, the love and the friendship that we have with each other. Because if you guys are married and got grandkids and kids and moms and dads, that's, you still have that friendship love. But when you get down to husband and wife, it's a little bit different, a little stronger. And then agape. These are not new to translators. It is unconditional love that the Father, God, has for us. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't change how the Father feels about us, right? Praise God for that. It is also the type of love that takes place between God and His Son, Jesus. And we're going to be focusing on that love this morning, as I read up here on this verse again. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. I, I could, I could, I, I practically built my whole thing around just this verse, but I'm going to use a lot of verses because they speak better than me. First Corinthians 13, if you would please. She already did it. She's fast. She is quicker than me. I just daydream back there for some odd reason. This passage here. How many times have you guys read this? A bunch, right? How many times have we, those of us that do wedding ceremonies, have used it? It's a whole bunch, isn't it? But it didn't dawn on me till the other day, the last part of that passage. You're going to see the similarities. But if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that cannot move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I've gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. That's usually me after Sunday. <laughs> For if we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away of childhood things behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. But now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. The last part. And now these three remain, faith, 
hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I, when I saw this again, I've used this passage and so have you other guys that have done weddings. And I never stopped and thought about it. And that last verse, okay, somebody made it the Advent week. That's, you know, they, God had in charge of that one, wasn't he? I mean, you think about it, faith, hope, and love. And then joy was before that. So, my first point. We have seen love in the Christmas story. This whole season, we celebrate the birth of Christ. We know that. It's kind of cool. We celebrate different ways in the church services, worships, wherever. During family time. Because of Joseph's love for Mary, he did not stone her when he found out she was pregnant with what he thought was a child out of wedlock or with another man, with another man. Luke 2 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you that you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Think about this. God had already established that a king would be born. One of the things I learned this last year in our class, I've mentioned several times, the book of Isaiah. I never paid attention to it until we studied it in Sunday school. And it talks about Jesus Christ coming to the, to the people to us. His love ran so deep in the book of Genesis, through Isaiah, through the minor prophets, we were just in all of that, to now that he would make sure a Savior was to be born. Amen. I, I, just, I just got goosebumps because I just get excited about that. This should be exciting to realize that we celebrate his birth. We do the Advent week and weeks, or month, I guess, and then we do all of this, but yet the final outcome, and you know what's going to be even cooler, guys? Next Sunday is Christmas Day on a Sunday. But the thing is that some of you are parents, some of you are grandparents. Okay, I use this word technically. That's my old writings. But technically, when your child was born, it was a miracle birth. And some of you are saying, no, they took, you know, love of two people and husband and wife. Yeah, but you didn't create all that stuff that did all that stuff, did you? That's my medical terminology. Any medical people besides Gloria? And No, I am not. Yeah, so, but, you know, the point is, when you think about all that, the miracle was done. You witnessed a child being born. It was a wonderful experience. I still remember to this day when Joseph and Justin were born. I was there with a camera and was told not to do that, but I was still there with a camera. But I got to witness them being born. And it was cool. It was ultimate in coolness. But your love for this baby is beyond what you can express. But think about this. God began the stages way back in Genesis to say the Christ is to be born. Wow. <laughs> hey, you, you let me do this. You just... That's right. <laughs> Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which we sang about that, which means God with us. Matthew 1, chapter 1 says, And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. 
even though he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He didn't know. Remember, he had to be told, this is what's taking place. And what did he do? He obeyed. But after he considered this, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. That's an interesting point, son of David. Goes back to King David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife. We are in this season to celebrate his birth, and it's, I love Christmas and Easter. I like Thanksgiving too. Let's not do that. But I love Christmas and Easter because we talk about the birth of his Christ, but guess what? Come April, we're going to be talking about his resurrection. That's so cool. Last week, Daniel McClure spoke of the shepherds who were the first ones to witness the new king, the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ. They got to see that, and he spoke about that in one of his notes. And just, I love that passage because these shepherds were the first ones. Nobody else besides a few critters. That's it. And what did Jesus say? I am that person. I will shepherd you. God had it all figured out, didn't he? Praise God for that, because if we'd have done it, we'd have messed it up. Skipped the, we'd have skipped the shepherds, gone straight to the big holy gangs over there in Jerusalem or wherever they were located, and we'd just grabbed onto them and go on, you know. But think about this. The shepherds were the first to witness that. So I happen to have a passage. And Luke chapter 2 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause a great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another. Now Daniel spoke about this last week, so I don't want to dwell on it. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord told us about. And they hurried off, went in there, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. It later tells us they ran and told others. <clears throat> no time wasted. They celebrated his birth. They got to see the born, the Christ child born. They got to celebrate it. They were just, they were elated. Now, I don't know about y'all. I said that in my Yankee northerner accent. Think about that. They got the witness to seeing the birth, I mean the Christ child, and they went and told others. Now, if you guys would have seen a multitude of angels, we have a multitude of angels here right now. Rapture's taking place, guys. We're on, okay? But think about that, what they went through. And then remember that we celebrate his birth. We have seen what? God's love. The point she went right to. Okay, good. You're good. <laughs> She's good. But we have seen the love in the Christmas story. But Jesus did not stay in the manger. He soon grew into a man, a man of God. And we'll see God's love for everyone by sending his son for us. 
I was, when I was putting this together, I had point one and point three. I didn't have point two. And I thought about that for a minute. Because point one is talking about his birth, right? But point two, the fact that he sent his son, some of the verses I've read a little bit periodically, a little bit different now. Because now it says, he sent his son. He didn't say, I sent the baby, the son, which means he's growing up. And if you stop and think about it, when Jesus began his ministries in his early 30s, he was being educated, he was teaching, he was doing what he should be doing, he was taking care of his family, he was a carpenter by trade, I suspect he did a lot of that, because not much mentioned about his dad later on. Chances are he passed on or something. The point is, he still took care of his family and did things he's supposed to do. But now, we're going to see this next part. John 3.16. You know, I wrote this down because I thought about this for a minute. We've recited John 3.16 many times, right? You've heard it. When did you guys first hear John 3.16? Some of y'all, just say it. Yeah. Sunday school, teacher, your mama, your grandma. First verse you ever learned. And you did it in King James. But think about that for a minute. He said, what's I got to do with this point? Well, because it says it. It's pretty simple, actually. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever believes, does not believe stands condemned already because he did not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It said, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. He doesn't say, I gave my one and only baby because now Jesus has grown up. The thing is, when you look at this verse, he said what? If you believe, you get to have eternal life. Not only that, I come into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. And then what else did he say? Not to be condemned, once again. Who believes in him is not condemned. And it's belief in the Son. So we go from the birth to the Son. To ultimately have faith in him, to ultimately be loved by and through him. Remember that first part of the verse. He loved us and sent his Son. Jesus also focused on preaching love throughout his ministry. You guys remember this one, right? His greatest commands, to love God and love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. He didn't say, oh, by the way, love God, but don't worry about your neighbor, or vice versa. Matthew 22 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And, of course, he said, the second is like itself, love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. When you know the fact when Jesus spoke these words, you know, he was talking to disciples plus the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other sad folks running around with him, thousands of people, you know, hundreds. He constantly said this. Mainly he was teaching the disciples. You've got to get these two parts done. This is not a choice, right, whether we love or don't love or whether... I can love that person or not love that person. Do you really have a choice? I don't think so. Now, sometimes we may dislike them for about 10 minutes. But the point is, God said, wait a minute, go back and love them. 
Now, sometimes the dislike comes into play, but once again, love was established by God because that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm not talking about, okay, some of you are younger ones. I'm not talking about the 60s love. Some of you weren't born yet. Some of your parents were barely alive. You were just barely alive, Mrs. Henson. I'm making brownie points. That's what I'm doing. But think about this. It didn't tell us to hate the person. He didn't say, oh, I hate the neighbor, hate the, hate the wife, hate the husband, hate your kids or, you know, whatever. But love is the greatest of all these virtues. And that's part of the advent. That's part of it. What was it? Joy. I'm trying to get the sequence going here. Joy, hope, faith, and then love. None of those didn't leave one out. But that's the reason that Jesus came to the earth to save his people from their sins by his life, his death, and his resurrection. Its greatest purpose was to restore sinners to, to their God so that they may have eternal life forever with him. That last part of 1 Corinthians 13, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Would you jump to, I think, point two? Okay, that's point three. Okay, good. Point three, excuse me. I'm glad she's keeping charge. I have it written down. I'm not paying attention. But it says, we have seen love in the Christmas story. We've seen God's love for everyone by sending his son, his birth, his adulthood. But then, now, the last point. We see or we saw his love on the cross. And that just gives me shivers all over. Because we, as you guys know, without the cross, none of this would have existed. You do know Joe's favorite thing is to say the sacrificial lamb on the cross, the sacrificial lamb. That's true. The greatest lift, gift of all that came for the first Christmas, it wasn't wrapped in a beautiful package or set under a decorated tree. The greatest gift came wrapped in a flesh of the baby Jesus and laid in the rough wood of a manger. Our perfect gift would be later be rewrapped in the scars of our sin and nailed to the rugged cross on Calvary. All because of love. Luke 23. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women, who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Wow, that's really good. For a time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed, then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if the people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing and divide up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and they said, He saved others, but let him save himself, for he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers came and mocked him. They offered him wine, 
vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Do you realize if he'd have done that, we wouldn't be here. It didn't exist. There was a written notice above in which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung those herald and insults at him said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we are getting with our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Wow, what a testimony. That's a whole other sermon. Then Jesus said, Jesus, or another guy, then he said, this guy, Jesus, remember me when you're coming to your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. The cross. During many years ago, during Falls Creek, we would have a wooden cross up here, bring it from Falls Creek years ago. And we put notes up there and sins up there and things we didn't want. And I've always used that analogy. Don't walk by. Once we pin all that stuff up on the cross, don't walk by and pull it back off. Now, we're still going to sin, right? Last time I checked. But don't go up there and grab one. Oh, this is a fresh one. I haven't done this one yet. Don't do that. Well, think about this. The cross is God's statement of just how much he loves us. When you think of the immensity of God's love, the first thing the Bible often asks us to do is consider the price that he paid. This is the love. This is the Advent love that we're talking about. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The cross reveals the character of God, his love for lost sinners, and his perfect justice met at the cross. If we want to grow in our love for God, which is the first and greatest commandment, then we ought to understand and appreciate the cross, which shows us his great love. Matthew 22, once again. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second, love your neighbors yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Once again, this was made possible by Jesus going to the cross and also the resurrection. His love is more beyond that, and it's more than we can understand. We read the Scriptures. We study the Scriptures. Preachers across the whole world preach on this stuff every week. But think about that. It's more than, you, more than we can comprehend. You can write books on it thousands of times. But think about that, the love that Jesus did for us by, getting, by coming, being born throughout his ministry and then the cross. For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become righteous by God. There was and had to be the penalty that Jesus did for it all. He paid for us totally. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Would you bring up the last uh, slide, please? <clears throat> or, excuse me, second to last. That's my fault. Second to last. We have seen the love in the Christmas story. We have seen God's love for everyone by sending His Son for us. And we have seen His love on the cross. Next slide, please, Linda. 
This is out of Psalms. My lips will praise you because your faithful love is better than life itself. This is the real Christmas story. Love. Jesse. And Pastor. Well, think about this. Now, we have talked about this. They're getting, as they're getting ready to play. Those three points. Seeing the love, His love for us, and the love on the cross. Guys, you cannot get any better than that, can you? My lips praise you because your faithful love is better than life itself. Thank you.